Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're a church in Belton, South Carolina, who's committed to love God, love people, and build the kingdom. We're currently in a teaching series through the book of Acts titled To the Ends of the Earth, where we study the early church and principles that we can apply even today to our local churches. We pray that you will enjoy this podcast and that it would be beneficial and just leading uh, to, to new teachings in your heart. If you would, please like, share, and subscribe this teaching to make it more readily available to those that you love. We love you, and God bless. Starting. So let's try this one more time. Now that we're all here, right, and we're all together, let's try this just one more time. How are you doing this morning? Good. Kind of believable. I'm, you know what? I'm happy with that one. We're sticking with that one. Let's take that one. So if you have your Bible with you today, guys, as everybody's kind of filing in, if you have your Bible with you today, I want you to go ahead and flip to Luke chapter 6. We are going to jump back into our study of the book of Acts, but I want to take you really quickly to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at Luke's uh, re- retelling of, uh, of the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, some of the teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so once you have Luke chapter 6, uh, look at verse 32. And when you have Luke 6, 32, if you will stand with me as we read the word of the Lord together. So Luke chapter 6, picking up at verse 32. Uh, Luke six thirty-two says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that this morning, Lord, as we study Your Word together, God, that we would just open our hearts and open our minds to receive the things that You have in store for us, God. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, that we would receive a, a, special, a special gifting of the Holy Spirit, God, to, to, to just have what it is, Lord, that You intend for us to have, but also that we would lift up our praise to You this morning, God. Uh, and I just pray, Lord, that as we study Your Word, that we become more like You, God. And the true goal of being a Christ follower is to daily be more like Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You can be seated. So we're going to be uh, now jumping back to the book of Acts, right? We're going to continue our study for the book of Acts, uh, including today. Uh, we'll have six weeks uh, remaining in the study of Acts. There's five after today. Uh, and then the first week of November, we're going to start to head into the Christmas season. Right? We're going to spend, uh, spend I, I think it's six weeks, seven weeks, really starting to get into the heart of what it is that Jesus came to do to prepare ourselves in the month of December as we begin our study of the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, right? What better place to spend... 
roughly a year and a half, uh, than to be in the words of Jesus, to be in the teachings of Jesus, and to prepare ourselves to be more like Jesus. And I, I just really want to, to, to spend this time with you this morning uh, preparing ourselves. That clock doesn't work, so y'all are in store, right? Y'all are in store for it. Uh, preparing ourselves uh, for, for what God has for us in the book of, of Acts. You see, this story has a lot of similarities to our study from last week. Anybody remember the centurion's faith last week? Right? And we, we see uh, the, the type of faith that, that truly does seek and pursue Jesus is a type of faith and a type of trust that puts others before self, that puts Jesus above all things. And so today I'm going to do something a little different for you. Uh, typically my teaching is centered around a thesis, and we work toward that thesis. Well, today, I want to give you the thesis on the front end, that as we begin to study the Word, we see the thesis come to life through the words of Scripture. So our thesis for today really is a question. It's posed in the form of a question. Do you trust God enough to love those who are different? Do you trust God enough to love those who have done you wrong? I know that's a difficult one, guys. Right? But from a practical standpoint, if we're being honest, all of us will fight this battle at some point in time in our lives. Some of us might fight this battle daily. Right? The idea of loving others doesn't come easy for, for all people. Just so you're aware of that. Right? The, the idea of speaking to other people doesn't come easy for all people, whether you're aware of that, right? And so really, one of the things that I've, I've been trying to, 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 to teach people and teach myself through the story of Scripture is that in all parts of our lives, we have to lead with grace. Y'all heard that, right? We have to lead in all areas of our life. We have to lead with grace, in other words, we have to remember that everybody is not like ourselves. People don't like that, right? You want everybody to be like yourself. I used to tell students, I was a student pastor for a long time, and I used to tell students, everybody in life is pudding. Why pudding? Because students need food to, to bring things to their mind, right? And everybody in life is like pudding. Some people are vanilla pudding. Some people are chocolate pudding. Some people, oh, take a deep breath. Some people are tapioca, right? But it takes all kinds of kinds to make this beautiful thing go around. And if we were all vanilla pudding, it would be a rather boring world, right? So we're all different, and the beauty is we're all made in the image of Christ Jesus. We're all made, despite our differences, to live in unity with God the Father, through God the Son, with the help of God the Holy Spirit, the pneuma in our lives. So with that in mind, and the, the, the thesis in mind, and our idea in mind here, let me break this down, this, this passage of Scripture. Let, let's break it down in three, in three portions or three sections. We're going to first look at Cornelius' vision. 
We're going to look at Peter's vision. And then we're going to look at the idea of two visions becoming one mission. Something's beautiful about this world is the fact that we are all different, but yet we all have one goal in mind. You know what that goal is? To lead others, just as ourselves, to daily be more like Christ. You see, we're not really good at leading with grace for the most part. We want people to know our mind and know what we want and to want the things we want. But we also don't like to communicate the things we want. We just expect them to understand, expect them to know. I get it, guys. That's why we have to be communicative. I think I said that right, with one another. But most of all, again, it comes back to this idea, not just leading with grace, but living with grace. And one of the beauties of life is, everybody got one of these in their hands? Anybody got a Bible? Physical Bible. I know Like, I'm younger, so I should be saying any kind of Bible. No, a physical Bible. There is nothing that replaces the tangible ability to hold the Word of God in our hands and commit it to our hearts and our minds. You know, also the really cool thing about a physical Bible is it lets you do things like this. You can highlight. You can, you can take notes of what God says to you in His Word so that when you visit it and you revisit it, you're reminded of these beautiful things that He's taught you. You're reminded of these gracious things that He has put and placed upon your heart. And so we pick up, again, with a story very similar to last week, and we looked at the centurion's faith, the centurion that would say, God, you don't even have to come to my house. I know that that would make you unclean. You don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word, and my servant, my bond servant, or in other words, this person who, who may be indebted to me, but at the same time, I have committed to be a part of my family. See, they're different, but there's a love. And it would, it, it would appear from the surface to be a mutual kind of love, right? That this bond servant would love him enough that he would be willing to reach out of his comfort zone. He would be a, a Roman soldier willing to reach out to this Jewish rabbi and say, if you would just make him well, then so be it. He'll be well. That's the kind of faith I have in you. And, and so what we're going to see here really kind of highlights the the skepticism and the often unbelief of Peter. You know, Thomas gets a bad rap for being the doubter, but man, Peter has a, a, a very obvious affliction with doubt. It becomes very evident in his older age uh, with, with the, the, the letters of First Peter, right, that these doubts that he would suffer with. And... So, so we're going to look at something really beautiful. Let me, let me start reading the scripture for us. Uh, Acts chapter 10, picking up at verse 1. And it says, At Caesarea, which, remember the word of God has now made it to Caesarea, back in Acts chapter 8, when Philip took the word there. And so, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Really quickly, Italian cohort. There's no real general consensus. One of two things here. 
These are definitely, you would guess it, Italian soldiers, uh, likely made up of uh, people who had traded on their country or their nation, Jewish people who have literally deconverted and joined the Roman oppression. Uh, but these Italian cohort, as we see it, one of two things, guys, no in-between. They're either really devout and can be trusted soldiers from Italy, right? Italian, Italy, y'all, y'all made that comparison, right? You got that one. So they're either really well-trusted and can be, uh, they can be entrusted to lead and do the things that need to be done, or option two, they are dispensable. In other words, if an uproar, if an uprising did begin, these are potentially soldiers who you don't mind giving up to a revolt until you can send in the better soldiers. I don't know where I fall on it, right? There's there's takeaways on both sides of it. But I think we're probably looking at the second option, right? These are soldiers who are expendable. Right? You could put a very well-trusted centurion in charge of them. Hope that he can take this ragtag team of, of soldiers and, and make a platoon of it. But if he can't, they're expendable. And verse 2 says, A devout man who feared God, or your translation may say, a God-fearing man, Uh, So that's right. You would have Romans who would understand Jewish culture, understand Jewish traditions, and may even be uh, uh, receptive to the idea of the Jewish God, but just don't make that commitment and stay Roman. And then you have some that potentially, like the centurion back in uh, the book of Matthew, who make the conversion, right? And would have to now live a completely different life. Right? Because now they've joined the, the people who they've been entrusted to oppress. So we have a devout man who feared God with all his household. And he gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. We have yet again a centurion who is receptive to Yahweh God the Father. Completely countercultural. Right? This would be like someone who you think on the other side of political or socioeconomic lines that you have drilled, you have, have made these lines, these are human lines. It would be like someone on the opposite side of your preference having faith in God. And you go, that's not possible. They have to be just like me to love God the way that I love God. And if you don't see that, I need you to kind of examine your heart. And we have a God-fearing man who generously prays and generously gives. And not just him, but look at that. With all his household. In other words, you couldn't be a member of his house and be far from God. He was leading his house towards the Lord. You know, this man who is a Roman oppressor who is not supposed to understand how to lead with grace because he's on the other side of this religious line that we've drawn. 
And at the ninth hour of the day, or 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. Clearly a visit from an angel of God. One occurrence. All it takes to completely shift him and send him to the way God intended. Once. God visits through an angel, comes to him in the physical and speaks. And he says, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror. He's a God-fearing man who now trembles in terror because the God who he fears is now the God in the flesh. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Notice something right here. Did it say... You give so much, so therefore it's been noticed by God. Or you pray so much, or it's noticed by God. No, it says you give and you pray. In other words, whether he's given above and beyond, or whether he's given in the little, it, he's giving. He's praying to God. And these prayers and these alms have ascended as a memorial before God. A Roman soldier, guys. Someone who's on the complete opposite side of the scales and the spectrum from the Jews. And now, verse 5, Send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. We're going to see an omnipotence, an omnipresence, an omniscience all right here by God. He knows this man's heart. He knows who to send him to. And he knows where exactly it is the person that he's sending him to is at. In other words, if you're scared, I've said this before, but if you're scared of Santa... You better be God-fearing. Because He knows all. He's in all. And He's through all. And He sends him to one Simon called Peter. Now remember, Simon, from Acts chapter 9, is staying at the home of a tanner, which doesn't necessarily mean he's a Gentile. It just means he is potentially, and most likely, a Jew who other people consider ceremonially unclean six days out of the seven. But on that seventh day when he rests, because he does embrace Sabbath, right? Because it's, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And I'm sure you guys are all resting just like God called you to do, right? Yeah. See, we're, see that one cuts us, right? God didn't, he didn't make you to work to the bone. You know that, right? God didn't make you so that you would just hog your calendar, hog your schedule, and make it all about you. There is a complete day that he told us to devote to himself in rest. What does that mean? It means whatever you normally do, don't do that that day. Spend time with family. Spend time in prayer. Spend time loving on those around you. Even, you guessed it, those who may not love you. And that's how you become more like God. 
Because that's the ultimate goal of being a follower of Christ, right? It's to daily crucify ourselves, to daily be more like God. He says he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. So Simon the Tanner, look at this guys, has been pushed to the outskirts of society. Why? Because he's not like everybody else. And he performs a very necessary trade that they need for both clothing, uh, wineskins, or the the container that would also hold your your water. You know, the lifeblood, literally lifeblood that comes from the animal. This leather is very important. Somebody's got to do it. And we get so... So set on man's idea of things that we don't see the goodness of God. This man's been pushed to the outskirts of the community. Hey, you got to go live out there, God. We're tired of smelling this. We know we need the product, but you're unclean and you do this smelly thing. So you just go stay out there by yourself. You know, we don't still push people to the outskirts of society, do we? Yeah. This is not one of those teachings where you, you leave and you go, I just love you so much. This is the, the kind of teaching that we need that cuts us to the heart and says, man, I've got to examine how I'm living my life. Rainbows and butterflies is not gospel-centered, just so you're aware. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, look at this, guys. One time he has to visit him. When the angel who had visited him departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier. In other words, he picks the people who are the closest to him, the people who he most trusts, that likely are are serving for his protection. Because remember, he's a Roman soldier and people really want to kill him every day. They literally have in this society people called dagger men. Jesus takes one of those dagger men, turns him into one of the twelve disciples. So these people who serve for his protection, he says, you know what? I trust you all the most and this needs to get to its intended target. So I've got to put up my personal security. I've got to take what makes me comfortable and push it aside so that the message of God can go to the heart of it. And I'm sure we're doing that every single day. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Y'all say that one out loud. Joppa. Right, that's fun. That's a fun word to say. That did not do anything for you other than get the smile back onto your face after uh, cutting us to the heart, right? So we have Cornelius' vision. Now we have Peter's vision. And now Peter is the leader of the Jerusalem church at this time, one of the leaders. So surely, if God just whispers, He does exactly what it is that God intended, right? Wrong. God has to speak to him five times. The centurion, send the angel, not even the Holy Spirit, just send an angel, let it be done. And he does exactly what he needs to do. Peter 
literally has one part of the Godhead, God the Holy Spirit, speaking to him five times, and he's still kind of unsure of it. So what does that mean for you? It means I get it. God gets it. You're going to have doubt. Right? You're, you're, anybody ever doubted? Like anything? This is, this is a place where you can admit that. See, we've lived for far too long where this was the kind of place where don't you, don't you even dare say, right? The church, that's not a place where you can mention your doubt. Because if you doubt, you're just not good. And where did that lie come from? Man. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop or the rooftop about the sixth hour, noon, to pray. I know that for us, that sounds really weird. He's going to the roof to pray in the heat of the day. That's like a common practice for them. And he's going up there to go pray. And what seems so normal here is God appointed. Let me me just show you this really quick. Verse 10. And he became hungry. And you go, well, yeah, of course, right? No, 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 no. This is a God-appointed hunger. If you're familiar with the, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, right? The Hobbits like to have multiple breakfasts. Peter has likely had his multiple breakfasts of fish and manna. This hunger is a spiritual hunger that finds Peter on the rooftop. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Thanks, Luke. That makes perfect sense. He's hungry and he wants to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And this word here for trance is ecstasis. And that's really cool, right? Ecstasis. And what is... Has anybody ever heard of being ecstatic? Have you ever been ecstatic about something? Uh, you, you've experienced a sense of ecstasy where you're just, just completely enthralled by the situation. This is where Peter goes. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He is beyond the realm of what you see and experiencing a very real move of God on a rooftop in the heat of the day. Why? Because God visits us exactly where we are. He doesn't have to wait on you to change. He knows who you are. He knows the battles that you face. He knows the places you've been. And He loves you in spite of those things. And He became hungry and fell into a trance. And He saw the heavens opened. Your translation may say, He saw the skies open. And what you're about to see is one of the weirdest things in all of the Bible. And you see, you see the whole thing about preaching the Bible verse by verse is you can't skip over the weird stuff. You can't skip over the stuff you don't like. You can't skip to the good stuff. Because sometimes the good stuff is the weird stuff, y'all. And he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet... Descending. This word for sheet can also uh, imply like the sails on a, on a boat, right? So we have this great fluffy object coming from the sky. And if that's not strange enough in itself, y'all ready for this? Follow along. 
being let down by his four corners to the earth, and in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. So literally from the sky descends something that either looks flat like a sheet or upright like a sail, just loaded with animals. But not just like the good kind of animals that they like. See, the kind of animals it's full of are those that are what are called common. Or uh, you may resonate a little better with the word unclean. In other words, if you're Jewish, these animals, these reptiles, these things that are on the floating sheet, yep, that's happening, are coming to the earth at a time when Peter is spiritually and physically hungry. And I know us today, we don't understand this because we look and we would see it and we'd go, man, wag you beef. Right? But for them, that's a no-go. And there came a voice to him. Number one, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Wait a minute, did God just say to kill something? Yeah, yeah, but hold on. This kill that we see here is the sacrificial offering of an animal. This would be exactly what in the Old Testament you see with the priests. When they would bring the animal to the temple, the temple, uh, the animal is slaughtered, right? And most of it is burnt as a burnt offering, but there are certain portions of the animal that are kept for the priests because you guessed it, priests have to eat, right? Y'all familiar with that? There's this really cool thing in life where all of us have to eat. And so God tells Peter, slaughter as, as literally as an as a offering and eat. And Peter, you know, he's kind of quick with it, right? And Peter says, Mm-mm, God, you're trying to trick me. Those are unclean animals. I can't do that. Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And you go, what does that mean? Go to Leviticus chapter 11. Spend the rest of your afternoon just looking at the things they can't eat. We're blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And the voice came to him again a second time. You guessed it, guys. Second time. So number two. Right? What God has made clean, do not call common. Alright, let me put this in terms that we can all get behind. I'm God, you're not, Peter. I thought we were talking about food. Yeah, God's talking about a lot more than food here. That snide remark you make about your neighbor... That, 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 that sense of I'm so great when you see someone who has less and is begging on a street corner. Again, that person on the other side of a political or socioeconomic line that you've drawn. You stop calling them unclean. See, Jesus died for all of us. Not just you. Not just the people that look like you. Not just the people that you like. 
Jesus died that we could all be raised to new life. Not just the people that you want. What if... Think of how sad it would be if heaven looked like what we've made in today's world the church to be. What do you mean by that? People that look exactly like you, that live in your same neighborhood, that, that are on the same, uh, the same side of the wealth scale that you are. right? We don't want to invite people to church that might make us uncomfortable. People that are different from us. Guys, we've messed up. We, everybody, and turned the church instead of a thing that is made to worship God for all creatures, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. We have turned it into a place where only the people who are like us are welcome to worship. You see, I had a conversation with, with a, a friend who is a, a black pastor, and he, we just, I'm not going to lie, we kind of cried together. You see, we've turned it into the black church and the white church. Except the white church, we, are, we don't even say it. We just say our church. Yet yeah, that is not what God intended. And I know this makes us uncomfortable. That's not what God wanted, guys. I'm going to brag on somebody. I don't do this often. But at our last block party, our back-to-school bash, a young man named David, I won't say his last name, without having to be asked or begged or told, extended an arm to someone who was completely different than himself and loved on his, his neighbor. He loved on someone that, that society should tell you, oh, you can't love that person because they're just so different from you. And that's what we're made to do, guys. To reach beyond the lines that we've drawn and love those who are different. Those who might even hate us. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for people who would reject Him. He's not telling us to do something that He hasn't already done Himself. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, this is something we call conviction. This is something that we call an examination of self. The Holy Spirit has actually came and visited you if you are, are uneasy about this. Because if you're uneasy, you have realized... That we have, have gotten away from the heart of worship. And this happened three times. Three times he has to visit him right here. Peter, I'm God, you're not. Stop telling me how to be God. If I told you it's so, it is so. And maybe today is God telling you, stop making yourself God. You're not. I'm in control. You are called to surrender to me. 
Remember guys, we're made in Christ Jesus' image, not the other way around. And now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, you know, his most trusted followers, his most trusted members of his house, the people that would literally hold his safety and security in their hands, and he has sent them away because he trusts them to go and live out the message that God sent the angel to bring him. And then the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. In other words, they didn't do this in, in, in quiet. They didn't do this in secret. They're asking around, hey, where's Simon the Tanner? Do you know if Simon Peter is there with him? Communally, the neighbors are now upset with Simon Peter and Simon the Tanner. Why? Because these Romans, these Gentiles are coming and looking for you. Who are you to love on someone different than yourself? And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him five times, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down and accompany them without hesitation. Stop pausing, Peter. Do what I said. And Peter is, again, hey God, blink three times if you really mean it. Right? I know, you, you like, to, you like to, to twist my emotions here. So if you really mean it, tug on my arm. That's the kind of faith that we're working with here, guys. And we look back and we go, Peter, the church wouldn't have gotten where it was without Peter. No, the church wouldn't have gotten to where it was if Peter hadn't trusted in God. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? Oh my gosh, Peter! Go without hesitation. See my people. These are my people. And Peter comes to him and says, why are you here? And they said, Cornelius. See, the way that they answer will give you the tone that Peter spoke to them with. Because they immediately go on the, the having to explain themselves. They immediately have to go on the defensive here. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man. Peter, you're looking at us weird because we're Gentiles, but, but, but Cornelius fears and loves God. And he's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Cornelius had been living it out loud, guys. He hadn't worried about what others might say about him. He hadn't been worried about, well, what if the neighbors find out? All Cornelius had been concerned with is, am I doing the will of God? 
And they said, Cornelius, a God-fearing man, who's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel. In other words, just a, a piece of God has visited him and it changed his whole life. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you directly. God has spoken to you Himself five times, Peter, and you still ask, why? A holy angel to send for you to come to His house and to hear what you have to say. In other words, Peter, you're going to have to cross the lines so that other people are not afraid to. You're the leader of this. People look up to you. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying you're the leader in this, church. You're the leader in this, family. God's asking you to step out of your comfort zone and invite someone into the house who might be different than you. They might not drive the same kind of car that you drive. You could be a Ford guy and they could be a Chevy man. But you've got to reach out beyond these human, these man-made lines. And so, look at this, guys. Peter finally gets it. So he invited them in to be his guests. Hey, Simon the Tanner, I'm sorry, but I'm about to make your house unclean. I'm inviting these Gentiles in. Let me read something for you real quick and I'm going to pray. Sean McDowell, you may be familiar with his father. His father is Josh McDowell. wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter. has led a lot of people to the Lord through that book. And Sean McDowell is what is known as an apologist. In other words, his profession is defending the faith. That's admirable. And so someone whose entire being is surrounded with defending the faith, watch this. Don't equate knowledge with certainty. Don't equate doubt with unbelief. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It is unbelief. And he doesn't just say this, he stands behind it in Scripture. I'm not going to read this for you. Write this one down. Jude 22. Just 122 because there's only one chapter of Jude. So Jude 122. Go and read that one when you get home. Let me pray for you really quick. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that today, Lord, that we would see past our comforts, God, that we would see Your will, we would see Your way, God, and that we would... Pursue You in all parts of our lives, God. I just pray that You would give us a holy faith, God. A faith that sees beyond our comfort and sees beyond our, 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 our affections, God. And, and, and helps us to love people who are different than ourselves. Who, who has us to love people who may hate us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would convict us this morning, God. That we would go from this place, Lord, and we would truly tell all of the nations all of the tribes, all of the tongues, that they would profess You as Lord and Savior, God. And I just pray that in this place this morning, God, if there's anyone in, in this place, God, that doesn't know You as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they give their life, they commit their life to Yourself, God. I just pray, Lord, that this morning the altars are open, God, that, that if there's anybody in this place, 
Lord, that maybe is not where they want to be in their, in their walk, God. If there's anyone in this place that acknowledges that they have drawn lines in their faith, God, that today would be a day that they would erase those lines, God, and invite you into all parts of their lives, Lord. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.